number four of the Bill Michael Show. As we continue on this Tuesday, January 11th, getting into the bye weekend for the Green Bay Packers. Um, did you know that the NFL holds combines around the world? Ben, did you know that? No. The NFL uh, holds combines in different countries because they are committed to, quote, having the best players in the world play the game of football. The league announced today that the athletes are going to start training in the United States come uh, February, and then they get a chance to work out for teams in March, hoping to be signed as a free agent. Players can also be picking up or assigned to a practice squad with one of the NFL's eight divisions for the 2022 season. Uh, It's called the International Player Pathway Program. And uh, like they said, they want to bring in the best athletes in the world. Damani Leach, uh, the NFL's chief operating officer uh, of international programs. Uh, the program actually began back in 2017. And uh, the, the Philadelphia Eagles have actually been one of the recipients of one of these players, Jordan Malata. Seventh round yep. pick last year, had never played football in his life nope. two years ago. And now he's turned yep. into one of the best left tackles in football. Yep. Offensive line and left tackle. He's still he's one of these guys. There are still times apparently on the sidelines where he'll go to the coaches and ask them rules. Like, I didn't know that this team yeah. was able to do this on defense. Yep. Um, he is one of them. One of the guys. The NFL held, holds combines in England and Mexico. And they do it usually in October. And they gather up, they go around the world, and they gather up uh, 56 to 65 players, depending on how many they want to bring in, from 16 different countries. And then at the end of training camp each year, each player can stay on his team's practice squad with an international exemption, giving his team continuously the extra player. Uh, Players can also be signed to an active roster during the regular season under certain standards. Uh, The players in the 2022 group, uh, are being announced. There's a guy from Australia, Brazil. Uh, there's France, uh, Germany. Um, I don't know uh, Mexico, Nigeria, the Netherlands, and the United Kingdom. I didn't even know they did that. I got to be honest. I read that today. They've been doing it for now five years. I had no idea. I knew they were big trying to bring in international people, but I didn't know they actually held combines. Uh, I've had uh, talks before about international scouting and what it is they look for, but I did not realize they actually hold combines for these guys to come into the league. What do you think about those Australian punters that have taken over college football? Um, hey, if they can punt, I don't care. Uh, Australian punting has been around for a while. John Ryan used to do a form of that when he was with the Packers years ago, where it's that backwards spin, that backwards rotation where you kick the, the, your toe goes up and you kick the ball and it comes off your foot, you know, projects up and out, but spins backwards. And then there's an, another way to do it where it's almost like kicking a knuckleball. And, you, I mean, it's an art, but it comes more from the Australian rules football, for those that kick in the Australian rules football. 
Uh, they they kick that way. They kick at they're just like punters of today. They kick one way for length and distance, and another way to put the ball into the air for coverage and to have it bounce a certain way. There's an art. I mean, punting. There's an art to punting. If you're a good punter and you can put it consistently inside the twenty, get that thing to back up or to stick without having it consistently, you know, uh, bound forward and into the end zone. Yeah, there's an art to that. No doubt. I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't taken over the NFL more, right? Because we see it everywhere in college, yet a lot of the Mm -hmm. NFL guys I feel like are traditional. Um, Which I agree. The the, the college guys are a little more traditional – um, f- because that's just the way you're taught. I mean, ha- did did you did you ever play football? No. I remember going all the way through high school up into college. It was we're holding tryouts, and everybody gets a football. Everybody kicks just to see if they could find somebody better than the guy. Because like our our football team, uh, my freshman year, one of the linemen actually was a punter. His, I can't remember his name. His name was Greg. I can't remember his last name. He had an unbelievable. He had like a Reggie Roby leg, back when Reggie Roby punted for the Dolphins, where he didn't even lift his like he didn't even hop off the ground. He just boomed the football. And then after that, uh, it was the same thing every year. You sophomore year, here you go. Everybody gets football. Go kick it, you know. And then they'd always find somebody. Usually, it ended up being one of the players off the soccer team became your place kicker, just because that was what they did. And we had a really, really good place kicker. I mean, he was kicking 50-yarders pretty consistently in high school. Uh, and that was with the wider crossbar. So, you know, we were we were pretty good in the special teams game. But that's the way – I think they still do it in a lot of different colleges that way. But now, with some of these incoming international students that can do this, yeah, you're you're finding scholarship players coming over from across the pond who are good at this. And they find them in Australian rules rugby-style football. And because there's a, there's an art to it, and it, it we've seen it. It can be you can be a huge asset in flipping the field, and in also um, in in uh, you know kind of pinning a returner down by being able to directionally punt that thing and putting them alongside the sideline. So yeah, punting and, and special teams. We wouldn't know it in Green Bay because our special teams have been so bad all season long, but other teams realize it. By the way, Christian Yelich retweeting Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan says Major League Baseball and the Players Association plan to hold bargaining sessions uh, Thursday. Uh, MLB is expected to make a core economic proposal at the session, which would be the first between the uh, two sides since the league locked out the players on December 2nd. Christian Yelich retweeted the fan. He's at a football game. He's not at... uh, uh, a baseball game, but he's screaming, figure it out. Christian Yelich just retweeted that. So I'll retweet what Christian Yelich is retweeting. There you go, if you haven't seen it already. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Just thought that was interesting about the international players. Um, uh, Maxie Steve says, uh, what do you think? Well, I'm not going to go through that. I've already talked about Rob Manfred. I, I don't think Rob Manfred is a good GM by any stretch of the imagination. 
I think Rob Manfred is a an attorney who is completely on the lookout for the owners, doesn't have the same historical context for the game as many, and I don't think he has. I think he feels he's he feels his power, where others wanted the what was best for the game while still preserving the most for the owners. But sometimes those two don't go hand in hand, so you have to be cognizant of what's best for the game. Because the one thing you cannot do after coming out of a COVID season and then a season in which you only had a half a year of fans in the stands, of full fans in the stands, is you can't piss off the fans again. It's bad enough we're talking about long games and, and trying to capture attention and making up rules to make the game quicker you know, we're trying to bring down the total time of a game by six minutes. And it's like, you know what you're getting in for when you go to a game. I thought last year, uh, getting the ball in play more, and especially the postseason, the way they were banging it off the walls, going into Boston, the Red Sox were high, Tampa Bay got the job done, just in everything that went on in baseball, I thought it was a hell of a postseason offensively. I really enjoyed it, except for the Brewers portion of it, which sucks swamp water because they couldn't hit. But I thought that baseball, whatever it is they did, they got it right. Because you started to see more small ball than just guys banging it continually out of a ballpark. You saw them going the opposite way. You saw teams that could actually hit. You saw teams that were dropping down bunts. You saw more pure baseball as we got to the postseason, and it was thrilling. And that's what people want to see. So don't, don't hold them hostage now. And let that 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 audience coming off of such a tremendous postseason, don't let that audience now go over the argument of money. Because that we're, we, there's enough things right now in the world to frustrate us where we want to throw our hands in the airs and basically say screw you. If we hear of argues and uh, arguments between owners and players over money, over millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, where those players have guaranteed contracts no matter how poorly they played, and a guy like Max Scherzer. At 37 years old, getting like $450 billion, it, we're all just kind of putting palm to forehead going, what the F are you doing? So the one thing we don't want to hear right now is any kind of a fan base is you arguing over money. So that, that's why you got to get this done. you got to get it fixed. Uh, 877-867-1670. Uh, this is our buddy Tony. He says, Bill, I'm cautiously optimistic about the playoff run. I think the D is going to play better, especially if we get uh, Ja and Z back. Uh, but in the end, I think the offense is going to have to carry the weight to win the title. Uh, if you get Ja, Jair, and you get Z, Zedarius, both back, Devondre Campbell's feeling good. Kenny Clark is feeling good. Gary in the elbow, back to 100%. No problem. Preston Smith, he's feeling it. He's got it. The Smith brothers are back in action, right? You got all that going for you. Dean Lowry's having a solid year, okay? You're getting some quality minutes out of guys like TJ Slayton, Kingsley Kiki. They're giving you something. And then you get Jair Alexander, Jair Alexander back. You got Rasul Douglas, who's proven to be really a really solid pickup. Stokes has learned. You still have Shannon Sullivan. You still have backup Kevin King. You still got uh, Darnell Savage Jr. And they can all go back and just relax and play their spot again. You know? You've got depth in that second. One of the best secondaries now in all of football. I don't sit here today and look at you and say, Tony, the offense has to carry this team. 
I say on paper, coming back, the defense can win you a game. And the defense can win you a championship. And the offense only merely needs to be the accentuating piece to get up two scores. The offense has to get up. Get up to a couple of scores. That's your that's your recipe. You know, if you're the chef, if you're your master chef, Matt LaFleur, opening drive, get the stop if they get the ball first or opening drive, you get points. It doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a field goal. Or if you, you don't want it to be a field goal, but you want to convert more in the red zone. Okay, but you get points. Your defense goes out, salivates, gets it. Next thing you know, you get another score. You're up two scores, whether it's a touchdown and a field goal or two touchdowns, whatever. You get that, then all of a sudden they're looking across going, uh-oh, Aaron Rodgers might heat up. And they start doing things that they don't normally do. And that's when your defense just pins their ears back and comes after. That's the recipe to win a championship. That's the recipe to win a championship. There's only a couple of teams that run the ball really, really well in the postseason. We'll talk about that when we come back. Think about that. Though. Let, let that. Let that marinate in your mind for a minute. Okay? Let that marinate in your mind. There's only a few teams that I think really deem a big threat with the ability to run the football and to be completely balanced. There's only a few. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. So we're sitting here talking when we went to break about teams in the NFL that scare you, and I think it's balanced teams. Uh, as much as we talk about the quarterbacks, and it's, and rightfully so, because it is a quarterback-driven league, there's only a handful of teams that when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, if they're back to – if you get Z back, okay, and I'm not, I'm not talking dominant Z from three years ago. I'm talking if you just get Z back, he's a situational guy. Um, and, and Jair is back, and you're able to really put pressure on quarterbacks, and a team has to run the football, to keep you honest. There's only a handful of teams that can do it. Philadelphia's got a good run game. They ended up uh, overall graded sixth best in the National Football League. Okay, Philadelphia's got a good run game, no doubt. The, the number one running back in the National Football League, uh, Jonathan Taylor, and then right behind him was Nick Chubb. Those two guys are not even in the postseason. The next best running back uh, of just single ilk is Joe Mixon for Cincinnati. So you wouldn't even face him coming out of the AFC. Okay? Um, Elijah Mitchell and Zeke Elliott, those two guys, they're going to have two good run games facing off against one another uh, down in Dallas this coming weekend. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, Dallas ranks number nine overall. Now, you get Leonard Fournette back, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. They can run the football. Fournette can pound on you, especially in Green Bay type of weather. They're ranked 13th overall. The Rams with Sony Michelle, they're good. They're not great. They're middle of the road. Kansas City, same thing. San Francisco, they don't run the ball as much as they should, and their run blocking has been rather bad at times. So for as much as you want to talk about Elijah Mitchell, and, and he racked up 963 yards on the season, five scores, but 
they rank 19th. Their, their run blocking is not great. So you, you look at some of the better running backs, like I had mentioned, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, certainly with, uh, with uh, the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's Dalvin Cook. Uh, you got Antonio Gibson with uh, Washington. I'm off the top of my head here. Uh, now Derrick Henry's back, and, and again, now how good he's going to be, we'll have to wait and see, but Derrick Henry's another one. You know, but then you start to get down that list, and, and you know, other than Leonard Fournette, who went down with injury, who was really on track to have a, a, an incredibly solid season, but oddly enough, right behind Leonard Fournette was A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. So when you look at the best teams that can run the football, Buffalo is is number one. They rank number one in run block, pass block, or uh, run block and run block and run game offense. San Francisco is the best up front in the trenches. Dallas is number two. Kansas City's number four. Philadelphia number five. Uh, New England number eight. Indianapolis, uh, they're out of it. Uh, Tennessee at number ten. The Rams at number 12. The Packers go relatively down the list at 23. But now that you've got your offensive line back, things begin to change. So anyway, my point is nobody's dominant when it comes to running the football. Nobody's dominant when it comes to running the football. 877-867-1670. Um, where did Green Bay end up in rushing Overall, um, well, if you look at overall grade in running the football, they were number two through Pro Football Focus. I'm looking at premium stats. They take into account everything from yardage to blocking, what the play should have been, would have been, could have been, and all that kind of stuff. They ended up at number two. Um, you go to team stats and uh, the offense as far as uh, running the football. Um. Let's see here. In overall rush yardage, uh, the 49ers ended up at number one. Got to add so, Debo Samuel to that list of running backs yeah. as well. They use him everywhere. The Packers were middle of the pack, like 16, 15, somewhere in there. wasn't huge. 1,900. Uh, as a matter of fact, 1,900 rushing yards even. 4.3 yards per carry uh, on the season. Colts average 5.1, Browns 5.1, Seahawks, and then it goes down from there. That uh, puts the Packers, uh, in, again, middle of the pack. Nothing nothing crazy. Um, the Eagles put 25 touchdowns on the board via the run. Jalen Hurts had quite a few of those, too. Uh, the Packers, when it came to running the football and punching it into the end zone, bottom third. Uh, the number of runs of 20 yards or more, the Packers were uh, 25th. Or no, excuse me, 27th. They only had seven on the season. Packers don't have a lot of breakaway runs, and they were... 
and nobody really has many many yard or many rushes for more than forty. So uh, they were they were middle of the pack overall. Nothing special about the run game. But when you look at I look at yards per carry average. The Eagles are good. The Bills are good. The Chiefs are good. They're all over four and a half yards per carry. Now, part of that is you're looking at scrambling quarterbacks. Because Hurts can scramble. Patrick Mahomes can scramble. Uh, The Cowboys, four and a half yards per carry. Part of that's Dak, but the other part of it is their offensive line is just good. Patriots, Titans, uh, Buccaneers, 4.3 yards per carry. Packers, 4.3 yards per carry. So they're not bad. They're not good. But they, they, they throw the ball more than they run the ball, which is obvious. And they use the run as, at times, a necessary evil until they start to feel it midway through the third quarter. And then they can grind it out. They're good at that. They do exactly what they're set up for. So I'm not overly concerned about the Packers when it comes to running the football. I'm, I'm just not. Because then you go back to, um, the say, the passing game and where the Packers ended up. I mean, the Packers ended up in, in top five in almost every category in the pass game. So what it was, say, completion percentage. Completion percentage, they were number five or number six, 67.8%. Yards per attempt, 7.6 yards per, per pass attempt, which puts them top 10. Uh, touchdowns to interception ratio was crazy. Uh, Packers were number one in quarterback rating overall. Um, completion percentage, I already mentioned that they were good. And when it came to sacks, they they didn't give up a lot. They were a lower third of the National Football League when it came to giving up sacks and sack yardage. So they don't have to be great in the run when you've got Aaron Rodgers. That's, you know. So uh, what I'm talking about more so is defending the run to because – if you cannot defend the run and can't stop the run, the problem with that is it puts you up in, in down and distance situations that makes it very uh, – it almost becomes a guessing game for Joe Barry and the defense. If you can stop the run and hold them, hold them to three and a half to four yards per carry, okay, I know that if you go four, four straight carries, it's first down every time. But my point is if you can keep them at third and four or better, third and five, third and seven – if you can keep that consistently, you're going to win because you know they're throwing the football. You see what I'm saying? Where if you have a team that runs the football well and say they gash you for seven and then gash you for two, you're looking at third and one, pick your poison now. Are you putting everybody up on the line to stop the dive? Or are they going to throw over the top? And maybe get you downfield, get a mismatch. I mean, that's when you start to put yourself in precarious positions. That's the reason the Packers love to run the run the football and gas you for three and four yards early and then let Aaron Rodgers pick you apart for a couple more yards and suddenly you're looking at third and two. And we know on third and two he can do everything from a quick out to Devontae Adams to that inside slant that picks up a first down. Or he can just see the matchup on the outside and all of a sudden he's going 40 yards downfield. Third and short situations for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers salivates over. It drives us bug nuts. 
But he salivates over that. So that's the reason I talk about the run game the way I do. It, it, it really puts the de- – if you can run the football, it puts the defense in a precarious position because you have to then guess on third down. And third down percentage really is one of those things that I circle short of turnovers for defenses. If you get off the field on third down more so than your opponent, you're going to win the ball game if there aren't turnovers involved. 877-867-1670. Hopefully that makes sense to you. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show is next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Glad to have you back. Bill Michael Show. By the way, Ryan brings up a good point. He said Cleveland was a great game showing how they can stop the run when you knew it was coming. Uh, and that's what I'm saying, Ryan, is that you're not going to face a team like that. Um, you're not going to face another back like Nick Chubb uh, for a while. So we'll wait and see. But when you look at the best run games in the National Football League, it's it's Buffalo, New England, Cleveland, Indianapolis. Philadelphia's got a good run game. Uh, they can run the football. I don't think you're going to be facing Philadelphia early, but who knows? I mean, if Philadelphia gets the win uh, over Tampa Bay, then Philadelphia is the lowest seed. They would be the next team coming to Lambeau Field. So Philadelphia. Uh, but after that, Seattle, Denver, then you get to the Dallas Cowboys. With Zeke Elliott, they can run the football. They've got that guy, and that's where they're going to have to be have to be good. San Francisco's run game is good. It doesn't rate as high. It rates 19th overall via pro football focus. And I agree with you. When you, when you look at the run game, we talked about this uh, just a, a few ago, um, and, and, and what they have in Elijah Mitchell, it, certainly they can run the football. But – uh, I'm not as concerned about – this is not when you had a couple of years back when you lost in the NFC Championship game and Mostert ran wild. It's not the same run game. So, but you're right. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Uh, so, Aaron Ro- – remember last week, we didn't even get on – what was it? Friday. Friday afternoon. Uh, it comes out, Boomer Esiason. Boomer Esiason had stated that somebody that he knew close to the situation, whatever, uh, stated that if Aaron Rodgers made it to the Super Bowl, he was going to boycott the Super Bowl for what all the reasons were, whatever. I mean, and then eventually, here's the thing. It came out later that I think somebody was kind of kind of catfishing him, so to speak, because it came out to be, I think this is relatively bogus. Well, Aaron Rodgers was asked about this. Just moments ago on the Pat McAfee show, here's what he had to say. Mike, come on, man. Why would I play in to the majority of people in a meaningless week 18 game? Oh yeah. And then and then what I care about and train for in the offseason and focus on during the season and and manifest thoughts to my teammates to, to have this on our mind, winning a Super Bowl. You think I would do all that? and play in a meaningless game to most people in Week 18, and then boycott the Super Bowl. Yeah. You don't know me, and yeah. that's my whole 
whether you're Pornhub or whoever this person <laughs> might direct service is, you, yeah. you don't know me. So you don't know me, so stop talking as if you do know me or you have some sort of idea. There you go. That's Aaron Rodgers. I, when I heard that, people brought it, I mean, people were panicking. When I heard that, now this was right after we had put Elmo down. It wasn't a great day to begin with. And people came to me with that on Friday and on Saturday. And I, I looked at them and I said, I, and I know Boomer. Um, I worked with Boomer at WLW years ago. He's got a lot of sources. But I, I said, it's not, Boomer's only, being, only reporting what he's being told by somebody he trusts. Okay? I'm not blaming Boomer. But whoever said that to him, he didn't talk to Aaron Rodgers. And he may think he knows Rodgers or was trying to go for the nuclear bomb when it came to the mother of all NFL stories. But there is no way in hell, no way in hell, none, zero. You think the beating publicly that Rodgers took over the immunization comment was something? It would pale. It would be a fart in the wind if he got to the Super Bowl and boycotted it for his own, his own cause. He would take a beating, and that's not Aaron Rodgers. First of all, on the, like he said, on the work ethic side, what, he's want, what he wants, what he's been preaching, putting himself out there, playing through injury, broken toe, the whole thing, the humiliation, all the stuff that goes along with it, the aggravation, the physical torment, everything. To go through all of this and then to get to a Super Bowl, which is his legacy, and to say, oh, no, I'm not going to play in it, is ridiculous. But then... Watching what he went through and how then he came back as only Aaron Rodgers could because he didn't come back hat in hand and say, you know what, I misled you, I'm sorry. You know, he didn't come back and, and give you the heartfelt. He kind of said, well, you know, they didn't ask the extra question and, I, you know, I didn't want to deal with this. And he, he gave it his own craptastic answer, but he came back in his own way and somewhat said, okay, my bad. There's no way he would have ever boycotted the Super Bowl. No way. No way. It, it just would never have happened. Never have happened. So that was first and foremost. Uh, so I, that's the reason, look, people were talking to me about this yesterday, going, hey, did you talk about it? I'm like, no. It's, it's a non-story. There's no way he's not playing in a Super Bowl if he gets there. I don't know why people were freaking out. It came out, Bill, after you had left when I was on that last hour. Yeah. I, was, I was on with Mike, and I sent it to him during the break, and I said, this, this can't be true, right? And Mike's like, yeah, there's no way. There's no way. There's, there's no way in hell. So I don't even no, think I mentioned it when I was I, on an, for that Anybody hour. that gave it credence was on the outside of the organization or on the outside of the state of Wisconsin and looking in. Now, I, I will admit, and, and I, I'll give you the, the scenario as to what happened. Um. It was like, like I mentioned, it was a bad day on Friday. We put Elmo down and I couldn't stay in the house. I didn't want to come home. So, and we were both not feeling great, but I told Chris and I said, let's, let's go somewhere. We'll grab dinner. And there's a friend of ours who owns a bar and there's nobody there. Uh, they said, no, we don't even get crowded until after seven o'clock at night. So, okay, great. So we got, went there and got dinner and one person walked in, was sitting across the bar from us. 
and we were having a drink and a little bit of dinner, and that's when it was really began to to be discussed. He he brought it up. Um, he kind of recognized me, and he brought it up, and then another person came in. They were talking about it and talking about it and talking about it, and then finally I just I'm like, guys, look, there, there's no way. Put because they were panicking. Well, what are you going to do if he gets there? And then it's Jordan Love, and he's got. It's like no, 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 no. Here, stop, stop, stop. The only way Jordan Love's playing in a Super Bowl is off, is off, if the last play of the NFC Championship game, Aaron Rodgers breaks a collarbone. Otherwise, it ain't happening. Or he's taking uh, two snaps to end the game because they're up forty-one to ten with twenty seconds to go. That, other than that, no, there's no way. And I said, I'm swear, I'm telling you, you put money on it. If they make it to the Super Bowl, Rodgers is playing it. So there, that was a, a moot point. Then Rodgers went on to talk uh, with Pat McAfee about, you know, hey, getting Josh Myers back, but boy, more so getting his boy back, David Bakhtiari. Uh, tackle. It was great having him back. It's fun to, uh, to run out on the field with him. He's got a very recognizable uh, jog slash, you know, lope that he has. Uh, but it was so fun being back out there. We had a conversation midweek last week, and he was – really on the fence, maybe thinking he was going to play. And I said, look, I'm going to play. Uh, Josh is going to play. What if you went out there and, and you felt good Thursday practice? You know, what if, what if you went out there and played some, some, uh, some plays? And I think he kind of wrapped his head around that and, and hopefully he didn't feel any extra pressure from me, but I'm so happy that he, he got to play in that game. He played, I think 28 snaps seemed like, uh, on the field in game and going back and watching it, he played really well. Uh, we were laughing because uh, last week he was telling me early in the week, like Monday or Tuesday, he was saying, uh, when I was like, man, you got to play. This is before I kind of pushed him. He's like, yeah, no, you're playing so good. You're hitting the ball out. I don't want to come back and you to think you could hold on to the ball now because <laughs> I'm in there. I said, I won't be, you know, I won't be 100% myself yet. Uh, and I said, I said, okay, okay. And then you know, I had a play where I kind of looked left, looked right, ran left, ran up to the right, got some yardage, and I was walking back to the huddle, and all I see is the big giraffe just shaking his head at me. And I know he's thinking, what are you doing? Can we talk about this? Get rid of the football. So it was it was good having back. But it was good having Josh out there for the first half as well. He's been out a number of weeks with his knee injury. Uh, that's why I wanted to be out there. I mean, not just to, you know, be out there with Tay, get him, get him the record, but those – you know, having Josh and, and Dave back, I needed to feel kind of uh, the urgency and the energy on the field. And uh, everything picks up as the season go on, goes on, and the, and the tempo kind of picks up a little bit as we get into the playoffs as well. So I think it was great for Dave to play, great for Josh to play. They both came out healthy, it seems like, and they, uh, you know, uh, they, they both uh, played well. So there you go. Aaron Rodgers talking about playing with both of those guys. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at New Mail Medical, treating guys with ED all over the state of Wisconsin, well beyond the borders. And if you're sitting here in the new year and you're going, man, I got to lose weight. I got to feel better. I got to get some energy. I, 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 I got nothing. I'm telling you, call them. 414-455-4451. That's 414-455-4451. Just pick up the phone. It really does help. One phone number for all their locations. Again, tell them we sent you 414-455-4451. That's 414-455-4451. The all-in-one weight loss program, yes, it works. It works. All you got to do is call. And then beyond that, they've got the testosterone treatment. gives you more energy. gives you more. Just gets you out of the mood, out of the funk, and get you up and moving a little bit. And then, uh, you know, obviously, if you got the ED thing, well, they can help you out with that. So, again, 414 455 
5-1. That's the New Mail Medical Center. When we come back, before we get out of here today, uh, Ryan asked me a question. He said, will you give me hope for Joe Barry? And I think he means about the defense. I've got, I, I've got one way to give you hope when it comes to the defense of the Green Bay Packers. And, and it's what I'm telling myself. So I'll tell you what I'm telling me next on The Bill Michael Show. Ready? This is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers are getting more players off the injury list. Linebacker Zadarius Smith has been cleared for practice after being out since week one following back surgery. But Matt LaFleur says it's wait and see. We'll see how he comes in on Wednesday, and if we can get him back out on the practice field, then we'll let him go. But I think, you know, I want to temper the expectations. Here's a guy that hasn't practiced since really before the New Orleans game. So we'll get him back out there and see how he looks, see what type of shape he's in and you know if he progresses and you know checks all the boxes then he'll be back out on the field although the Packers have a bye week in the postseason that only means no game this week LaFleur says meanwhile the outdoor workouts will continue we'll get our three good days of practice in and they're not going to be long practices but we're going to get back outside you know getting some of these other guys kind of back in the fold just want to make sure our guys stay sharp mentally and then get as much conditioning in as we can while also getting the rehab or whatever it may be to get everybody back Back to as full strength as you could possibly be. And teams have requested to interview the Packers' Nathaniel Hackett, including the Jaguars, where he was offensive coordinator before coming to Green Bay, and the Denver Broncos. Aaron Rodgers on why Hackett could be a good head coach. One of the prereqs to being a good head coach is presence in front of a room. The way you talk, your inflection, your storytelling ability. I think those are underrated qualities that a coach can have. Nate has all those things. He has uh, great energy. I don't know how he does it sometimes. Beautiful wife and four kids and all the demands that being a father has on you and then to be able to bring it every single day. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you. Um, coming up tomorrow on the show, we have not one, but two announcements to make. Hopefully we can make them both tomorrow. One for sure. But hopefully we can make them both tomorrow. And both are pretty big. That's coming up tomorrow. That's coming up tomorrow. One I know for sure. But uh, but yeah, we're uh, making two announcements on the program tomorrow. This is like twenty. This is like the the year of twenty twenty one. You know, losing both Elmo and Mickey, my dad passing away, and everything that went on, and and starting the new network, and starting the new company, and building everything, and it was it was uh, an incredibly Sad time, an incredibly joyous time, and then we get into 2022. Now, just you know, Elmo passed away last week, but it's it was kind of the culmination of what was coming. 
But maybe 2022 is just going to burst onto the scene in a big way. So we've got two announcements tomorrow. Like I said, one I know for sure. I just got to make sure we've got all of our, uh, we've got, I, I, I know, I'm 99.9% sure all of our T's are crossed and our I's are dotted, but yeah. I'll go talk Stay to Harley tuned. Davidson about the third announcement. Yeah, the third announcement would be Ben is actually going to get on a motorcycle and begin training class. That'll be the third one. It'll be the first time we've ever seen a Harley, usually a Sportster, uh, we've seen a Harley with training wheels. So that's okay. Hey, you got got to learn some way. Uh, Ben is, uh, out searching for leathers and chaps right now. And, uh, yes, chaps, all chaps are assless. Just saying. There you go. I don't know what chaps uh, are. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. God. Poor Ben. Okay. Uh, why do you have faith or should you have faith at all in the Packers defense? And this is what I'm going to tell you. Okay. There's a couple of reasons for me. And this is what I'm telling myself, is when you look at the defense, and it played, they played pretty well mid-portion of the year against decent teams, okay? So when you look at this defense, Dean Lowry is having a resurgence of a season. Kenny Clark has been and will be a beast, and he's going to have another week of rest. Kingsley Kiki has really come on. I like for the moments that he plays what T.J. Slayton brings to the table. Preston on the outside, Rashawn on the outside, both have been good. Rashawn Gary's going to get yet another bye week to rest that elbow. I expect him to come back strong. Devondre Campbell, Chris Barnes, we, we know how good they've played. Now you throw into the mix, if possible, more so on the inside, up-the-gut pass rush, but they can bounce him in and out. If he's just a situational rusher, that's it. Because he's not going to play more than that. He's not going to have the wind to do it. But if he's just a situational rusher, I think Z becomes a threat, not in the sense of he's going to just come in and start overpowering people, but I'm talking more so in the sense of he, if he feels good and he says he does, he's going to have, you have to want to count for him which is going to leave somebody else open. And it's so good between him, Gary, and and Preston Smith where they can bring it from different areas. Now, you put Jair back into the mix, and then you have either Rasul Douglas or Eric Stokes plus a healthy Kevin King. And I know people cringe at that, but a healthy Kevin King's good. And that puts Darnell Savage Jr. and Adrian Amos in there. And nobody has four wides that would dictate all the coverage because your defense will have enough talent and enough positions to cover and go man if they have to. Which would also then, I know early you're going to have to wait and see, but also then if indeed he can handle it and he looks good, you can go back to doing more man which is going to free up other guys instead of playing that crazy, lame-ass, soft zone that, he, that Barry likes to play. Because you're going to have that ability. You're not going to have Eric Stokes as a rookie on an island. You'll have Jair back. So 
that that's the reason that's the reason but as far as joe joe barry if the guys can play you got to use them don't don't get into the passivity of that that crazy soft ass zone that he likes to play it just it, it, I, already there's been confusion for guys that have been playing now you're going to bring jair back into the mix and start moving guys around, don't do it. Stick with what got you there. Missed some of today's biggest plays? The Bill Michael Show podcast is streaming at madcitysportszone.com.